Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huttocommunitychurch.org. Today we finish our series uh, on Fixer Upper. And uh, I was thinking about this this week. If you've ever had a Fixer Upper kind of a house and you're taking on that kind of a project, you have a vision in mind for your house. And you know exactly what, it, what you want it to look like. And a lot of that is going to be reflected in who you are as a person and your own identity. Now, we as sinful people who have fallen short of the glory of God, we are all fixer-upper type people, okay? We all need some fixing up, but the problem is that instead of running to Jesus to find our uh, help that we need to get where we're supposed to be, we run to all these other things in the world, and we try to find our identity in those things. So we know we're messed up, but in order to try to fix our messed upness, we try to uh, do it ourselves. And so we'll say, listen, I, I'm just not pretty enough. Right? And if I were pretty enough, then that would fix all the things in my life, and I would be the person I'm supposed to be, and I would have the job that I'm supposed to have. And so I'm going to work on making myself look pretty so that I can feel accepted and affirmed and find my value in that. Or we go to our career and we say, you know what, I'm going to find my joy and my satisfaction in my career. Now, there's something to be said for, for finding satisfaction in the work that you do for the Lord each and every day. However, when that becomes your sole identity and that becomes the place you look for for value, it's going to leave you wanting because when you get to the height of your career, you're going to look down and you're going to realize that something is still missing in your life. And so uh, other places we run to, we run to relationships, and so we look for that special person and, and we look for our value and our affirmation in that relationship with them. The problem is even in the best of relationships, if you are not focused on the Lord and your, your identity is not found in Christ, that too, despite how good that relationship is, it will still leave you wanting for more. So we look for affirmation from other people. We, um, we, we, we say, man, if I just had enough money, then all my problems would go away. If I could just make enough, then, then I wouldn't have to worry about finance. I wouldn't have to worry about the things I have to worry about. The problem is that too, as Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes over and over again, leaves us wanting more. Now, we are actually made for more. So the good news is that that longing in your heart, and sometimes it takes a while for us to find that, Sometimes we have to sit for a while. We have to think about it. But that yearning that is deep in our heart is from God. And we are meant to find our fullest meaning and our fullest value in Him. So today, what I want you to know is that we are the people of God. He has given us a new identity in Jesus Christ. And so uh, what Scripture is going to tell us and what we're going to look at in just a second here is that God has chosen you. God has chosen you. Despite the fact that you've messed up, despite the fact that your relationship or your second or third or fourth relationship has failed, despite the fact that you've fallen short in school or you think you're not pretty enough or you're not smart enough or whatever that thing is, God has looked at you and said, I 
want you. I choose you because I love you. And so I want us to open up Scripture, and I want us to see this together today. And we're going to go from 1 Peter chapter 2. And Bob, I'm actually going to start down in verse 9. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Now I want to stop right there. We'll we'll get to the rest here in a minute, but let's stop there. You are a chosen race. Now this race has nothing to do with the color of your skin. It has nothing to do with your ethnicity or where your people group is from. You are a chosen race, and that is a race that is defined by God's people. See, we are the people of God, and that has nothing to do with where we come from or or the color of our skin. It has to do with the fact that God chose us. He chose you to be a part of His forever family. But we go forward, and He says, you're a royal priesthood. Listen, that's a big, big deal because sometimes we wrongly think that we are unable to come before God and present our request to Him. But what this makes it clear is that we're a royal priesthood. So you are, uh, put it in um, evangelical terms, you are pastors, okay? Yes, you. You are our pastors because that's what God's Word says, that you are able to come before Him no matter what you've done in the past, you are able to worship him. You are worthy to be in the presence of the almighty God, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. This nation has nothing to do with America. It has nothing to do with Israel. It has nothing to do except for the fact that we are God's chosen people. Now, I got to admit to you, I kind of struggle with this whole chosen thing because I want to, uh, I want to go and do something. I'm a doer. Like if, if there's something to do, let's go do that. I, I don't really want to sit down and think. I want to go and do. But this is just something that we've got to meditate on. This is something that we have to receive and let get down into the very depths of our soul that the God of the universe who made the heavens and the earth and everything in it loves you, and he chose you. you got to sit in that truth and receive it. So receive it. Receive it. Because when we don't receive it, then our identity is insecure. And then shame comes in, and then guilt comes in, and you think about all of the things you should have done, the person you should be, all of the things you wish you could do all over again, and you begin to live out of guilt and condemnation rather than being a chosen son or daughter of the Most High God. You're chosen, so receive it. We are the chosen people. We are chosen. Why? Because He loves you. Because He loves you. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, 
carrying out the desires of the body and and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's who we were. All of us, every single one of us, no one is, gets out of this one. That is all people, but God, verse four. But God, he steps in, why? Because he is rich in mercy and because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. So again, can you receive it? You are chosen because he loves you. You are chosen because he loves you, because you are a person of great value. Every single one of us. You might think, I walked in here today, oh, I don't know what I bring to this group of people. Maybe you're thinking that I'm the lowest on the totem pole, or maybe I'm the youngest. I don't have anything to add. That's not true. That is a lie from the enemy because you have great value. I like to think of it uh, in sports terms, so you'll have to forgive me for all my sports analogies, but uh, it's football season. I'm very excited about it. College football kicked off yesterday, and uh, the NFL starts in a couple weeks. Uh, Hutto kicked off their season on Friday night and came out with a win, so that's really exciting. But I think back to the springtime into April and the NFL draft. And football fans get really excited about the NFL draft and they'll watch all, you know, the sports center and all the shows leading up and all the predictions about who's going to be picked. But during that process, when all the teams come together, they are picking young men who have value or at least perceived value. And, and they're hedging their bets saying, this person has the value that we need for our team. And, and I believe that this is real similar to what God does. When God sees you and me, he loves us and he knows he created us with value. And so he has chosen us to be on his team because we have something to add to the kingdom of God. Every person does. Little, big, young, old, every single one of us. Now, We're chosen. That's the truth that we have to let settle down deep in our soul. But there's a second part to it, and this is where I get excited because this is the doing part. We are chosen. Now, look back at verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. What are the next three words? That you may. ESV, sorry, Laura that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So here's the deal. You are chosen that you may. Chosen that you may. You get that? So there's identity first, and then there's the activity. Identity first, then activity. But now oftentimes we get this backwards, right? We get it backwards because we want to be good and moral people so that God will be nice to us, so that God will like us, so that we can be in good standing with him, so that we can feel good about ourselves. Church, let me just tell you, this is a false religion, okay? And there's a name for it that people a lot smarter than me have put out there. It's called therapeutic moralistic deism. So it's the idea that you're going to get uh, healed, that you'll, be, you'll feel good, you can meet all the needs in your life by being a good and moral person and pleasing this, uh, this deity, God, who is somewhere out there in the universe. That's all backwards. 
That's all backwards because Jesus paid it all on the cross. Jesus paid it all. So you can't earn your salvation. You can't earn good standing before God. There's nothing that you can do in this life to earn it. It is a free gift. It must be received. It must be received. I love getting gifts, and I receive them all, okay? Every time uh, we're about to enter in on birthday season in our family, uh, we've got Haley's birthday in October, and then Brooke's birthday in November, our anniversary in November, my birthday in November, Thanksgiving, and then we turn around and it's Christmas. So it's gift-giving season, all right? And I love getting gifts, and there's never been a gift that I have not received and welcomed with open arms, all right? I just like gifts. Salvation is like that. It is a free gift from God. We've got to receive it. Now, uh, kind of back to what we we're talking about, identity drives our activity. So we have to know who we are before we can act out of that. Now, you might say, Russell, aren't you saying the same thing in two different ways? No, absolutely not. Because when we try to be moral so that we can earn God's favor, it's called religion and it's enslaving because you can never get there. So you have to understand that you're chosen, that your identity is in Christ. And when that is firm, then you can go and live the good moral life out of who you are, not who you're trying and striving to be. Let me describe it to you this way. And this is just kind of how my brain works. All right. As a pastor, having that title is my job. It is easy for me uh, to think about all the things that I should be doing. And then all the doubts come rushing in. And I, I think to myself, well, I'm not smart enough. I'm not theological enough. I'm not spiritual enough. Um, I'm not creative enough to think up all kinds of great messages. Like, I just fall short. And so the reaction is to try to overcome that by putting on a face for you guys. And saying, like, oh, well, I, I've got it all together. Everything's good. But what we're talking about here when our identity drives our activity is that we can rest in knowing that who God has made us to be. That he's put us in this place for a very specific purpose and that it is his power working through me, not me doing it on my own. And when the identity comes first, then I can freely be who God has made me to be. Does that make sense? Okay. So our identity drives our activity. So what is our activity? I'm glad you asked. Number one, it's worship. It's worship. Let's go back up to 1 Peter 2 and verse 5. It says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Then down to verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may, there's that phrase, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So all over these uh, verses are the overtones of worship, that we are created, part of our purpose is to be chosen in Christ so that we can worship and glorify God in all that we do. So worship is so much more than singing songs on Sunday morning. Now, it's a, it's a critical part of what we do because we join our voices together. We lift high the name of Jesus so that he is praised and he can receive that. 
but it's something that continues Monday through Saturday when we're not here, and it is part of everything that we do in our life. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says it this way, uh, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. It is a lifestyle of worship that in than in our work, than in our play, than in our conversation at home, uh, behind closed doors, that it all reflects Jesus. In fact, Jesus would say this in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we are to worship. We are a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood. We are born to worship the Almighty, to give glory to Him. But we're also to walk. We're also to walk. Our activity is to walk, and it relates directly to worship here. Now, I want to keep going in, I'm sorry, First uh, Peter uh, 2.11 here. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. All right, so here is the, here's the moral part, right? It says, keep, abstain from the passions of the flesh, And then verse verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles as honorable. So there's certainly a part that where we are to live a moral and upright life. There's to be some self-discipline where we say, I'm not going to do these things over here, and I am going to do these things over here. But remember, this is driven by our identity, not our desire to to earn our righteousness through good moral living. And by the way, God has your good when he's asking you to abstain from these things. He's working for your good. And and the longer, really and truly, the longer I pastor and the longer I just observe people in life, the more I understand that, that God's, let's say rules, just for lack of better term, the things that he says, hey, just don't do this. It leads, it's because it leads to your destruction it leads to your destruction. And it, and it might be small at first, and sin kind of weaves its way in, but one day it'll bite you in the butt. If we can just be honest. And so when God says, here's the line, don't cross it, he's not trying to be a joy stealer. He's really and truly trying to give you the absolute best life possible on this side of heaven. Absolutely. Now, your walk is also directly tied to your witness. So it's not this standalone thing over here where you just have to be good for good's sake because your walk and your witness have to come up and they've got to match together. Because here's where really and truly, I think we as as believers, I'm just kind of saying this cohesively, not we here specifically, but we've done the most damage to our own witnesses when our, our walk does not match our witness. Now, hey, nobody's perfect. 
Okay, and this is, I'm not trying to throw guilt or shame at you because we all mess up. We have all fallen short and there's grace for that. But when we consistently and deliberately walk in a way that does not bring glory and honor to Jesus, whether that's through our speech or by our actions, we lose our witness. And so many people in this modern day and time have, have, who have been raised in the church are now looking back on the circumstances that they've walked through and they're deconstructing their faith. And, and it's not because of Jesus. It's not because of what Jesus has done. It's because of what other people have done in the name of Jesus. And so the walk has to match the witness. Now, the walk is not the witness, okay? Because there are those who will say, well, I'm just gonna be a good person and I'm gonna let my actions uh, be my witness for me. Now that's, that's a start and our walk should match our witness, but your walk is not your witness. You literally have to open your mouth and talk about Jesus to be a witness. Because listen, nobody's come up to me and said, oh, Russell, you're just such a good moral person. We just really admire that about you. You know what? I'm drawn to Jesus because you're just so, so good and so moral. Nobody's ever said that to me. They've said, Russell, you're boring. They've said, Russell, you don't like to have any fun. They've said those things, but they've never said. So there's got to be witness. There's got to be talk. You say, well, how, am I, how in the world am I going to draw people to Jesus? Well, I think there's several ways. Number one, you can just share your own testimony. Talk about what Jesus has done for you in your own life. How he's met you in dark places, how, how he's rescued you, how he's healed you, how he's heard your prayers and answered them. I've been kind of researching uh, different evangelism strategies lately, and we've been connected with Huddle Bible Church, and they're doing evangelism explosion. In fact, their next training for that is October 8th. Is that right? October the 8th. So if that's something you're interested in to be able to share your witness, that's available for you. I found this thing called I3, which I stole from another pastor. It's uh, invite, invest, and introduce. Invite, invest, introduce. Just invite people who are your friends or your family. And then invest in them. Spend time with them. Just be around them. Get to know them. Get to know their story. And then introduce them to Jesus. Introduce them to Jesus. Uh, One other strategy I've, I've really come to like is it's called one verse evangelism. And it's all based on Romans 6.23. that um, says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you can put uh, death and uh, the wages of sin, death on this side, and you can put Christ and eternal life on this side, and, and you've got a gap in between. And, and Jesus on the cross is the bridge across through trusting Him as Lord and Savior. One verse evangelism. There's a lot of ways that you can introduce people to Jesus. We have to because we are the people. We are the people of God. We are the chosen ones. We've been chosen to come here at this time, in this place, for the glory of God and to expand His kingdom. And so, really, as we end this series, this is my invitation to you to jump on board, to become involved in a new and more passionate way, to give your life away, to to stop just wasting life doing the same old thing week after week after week, to invest your life into other believers and other people around you, to encourage them, to build them up, to be on mission for Jesus Christ, because that is what we are put here to do. 
So if you're struggling in that identity, if you're struggling in your purpose, if you've got that deep longing in your soul for something more, the answer's right here. His name is Jesus, and the mission is to expand the ever-expanding kingdom of God. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.